What's going on, guys? Rich Butler here. Welcome to a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, talk, and tech with some assembly required. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, we take a dive into the technology that people use to create content, run their business, and just lead more productive lives. And then we explore the toys that put a smile on their face. And toys is always in quotes because it could be anything from action figures to cars, tools, guns, whatever the case may be, whatever you're into, those might be your toys. And we definitely love talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, before we get into this week's guest, a couple of items of note. Um, this podcast was supposed to be released uh, next week, but we're releasing it early just because our guest for this episode is publishing his first book, and I really wanted to get his message out there and really help uh, drive the point home that his book and his podcast, for that matter, are just items that are definitely very, very useful, very actionable, and you know things that I would like people to check out. Plus, I want to increase the signal for more people to engage and see what he's all about. So that's why this podcast is coming out a little earlier. Uh, the schedule going forward, as I mentioned in a previous episode, is going to be every other Tuesday. That is the plan, uh, you know, every two weeks, basically. And we're going to have a variety of guests on deck from different different facets of life, whether it's wrestling, acting, uh, vloggers, bloggers, YouTubers. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a wild ride over the coming weeks. And, um, you know, we definitely look forward to sharing it with you. Uh, we still have two more of our RageWorks creators on deck. Uh, ben and Taylor from Black is the New Black and Josie's Boy from Call Me When It's Over are slated to be on deck as future guests uh, sooner rather than later for each of them. So be on the lookout for that. I want to thank those of you that have taken the time to listen to the show and rate the show on iTunes. We truly, truly appreciate it. And if you have five seconds you and you like what we're doing, just hop on iTunes or the podcast service of choice and rate the show. If you want to write a review, great. If you just want to hit five stars because we delivered some great content, that's awesome. But if you want to hit us with a one star because we just didn't we didn't bring the noise this episode, that's that's all good, man. We you know, we appreciate all the engagement, uh, new people that have joined the fan page, the Facebook group. You know, you guys are awesome. And once again, I appreciate it. All right. With that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about our guest before we kick this interview off. My guest, Greg Clunas, host of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes podcast. Also author congratulations greg you made it um of tiny leaves big changes the book uh basically greg's work involves you know it's you can't look at it as a self-help book or podcast because what he tries to do is explore just just people's behaviors and how you can do small little things to just be better or in his case and to quote him uh you know things that you can implement to start moving the needle towards your biggest goals and I want to just put that in a way that's that's easy to digest for some of you guys. You know, if if you're on that New Year's resolution kick and you want to lose weight and you realize, oh, man, you know, how am I going to get to the gym? You know, a 10 minute walk. You could start with a 10 minute walk. You could start waking up half an hour earlier and doing some push ups or some calisthenics or, you know, maybe it's. Instead of drinking five sodas a day, you're drinking three sodas a day until you get down to two sodas a day, one soda a day, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, if you're looking to start that business, maybe it's as easy as buying the domain name first or, or 
maybe starting it as a blog first and then growing from there again you know to to quote what greg says you know tiny leaps lead to big changes and it's and it's so so true and it's something so simple that many of us get caught up in because we get we get stuck in front we get in our own way honestly uh you know paralysis analysis it's like what about this what about this thing and before you know it we've accomplished nothing i feel that what greg is trying to to get out there the message he's trying to convey is is something that's super actionable super uh super close to home for me personally for a variety of reasons and in this podcast we we definitely did that we did talk business we talked toys we talked tech and um you know we talked loss and a, and a lot of other personal stuff and you know i'm truly grateful that greg went down that path on this episode with us and was willing to share so much of himself because that's you know that that was huge um but you know you guys aren't here to listen to my nonsense you're here to listen to the guest so without any further ado let's turn it over to greg and learn about the toys and tech of his trade all right i'm joined by my guest for this episode greg clunas as many of you know from the intro greg is a podcaster content creator author uh musician uh, man of many hats. I want to start off by thanking Greg for taking the time to chop it up with us. What's going on, man? Dude, Rich, thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is something that I'm glad we finally could make happen. Uh, we've obviously been in each other's worlds for a couple of years now, so I'm, yeah. I'm pumped to finally be able to make something happen with us. Yeah, it's 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 crazy that this all this all started from the New York podcast meetup, which is since evolved into so many different things um the guy who used to run it scott doesn't run it anymore there's a new guy that's running it and then a new podcasting group opened up and it's just been a a a very large evolving landscape for for the podcast space here in new york city um you know with you i think i saw you at a at a few events and then i kind of felt that you much like myself and a few others were ahead of the class because we either had projects in motion had been in the game for a while or were just you know well versed in it from other avenues and for you you know i kind of want to get into the origins of that you know you you have your podcast which obviously you know you it's something that you're super passionate about and then you're also launching a book you're doing a bunch of stuff so let's get into i guess we'll start with the with the podcasting space you know, what drove you to that? Where where did you get your start in that particular space? Yeah, so it's an interesting story. Um, and how far back it goes kind of depends on the story you want to hear. Um, but the, the short version of it is uh, nine years ago, I was a senior in high school. I um, had just gotten my license and needed to buy a car like many other seniors <laughs> need to do. Yep. And uh, my cousin at the time was doing this thing called Internet Marketing. Um, at the time, what that meant was setting up websites, reviewing products, and linking to them to to get a commission on the sale. Um, so he introduced me to it, taught me how to to get into it, and I did it for that summer and uh, walked away with enough money to to buy my first car. So naturally, as a teenager about to graduate high school, like I'm hooked. Like holy wow, I can make money on the internet. That's crazy. Um, and that sort of kicked off what has been a nine-year journey of 
doing other things uh, related to business, related to marketing, and, and really like diving into the world of entrepreneurship. Um, and and so fast forward, I graduate college, I take a job in marketing, uh, and I'm sitting at my desk, bored out of my mind. Like it, there's just <laughs> like not so many. enough work. There's just not enough work for for many entry level jobs out there. Sure. Um, and and so I'm I'm doing nothing, and I feel like wow, I'm really wasting my life here. Like this, this sucks. Uh, and, and so I, I'm looking for content to consume stuff on entrepreneurship, inspirational stuff, success stuff. And, um, and I stumble across podcasting in that moment because YouTube wasn't an option because I couldn't sit and watch a video with my boss walking around. Absolutely. So audio made sense. Um, so I, I got into it and I started listening to everything. And this is before. Uh, serial popped off. So the landscape was very different then than it is now, as, as you remember. Um, and, and so I get into it and I'm the type of person who, once I'm obsessed with something, I become obsessed with it and I need to <laughs> do it. Like yeah. I need to be a part of the conversation. I can't just be a consumer of it. Uh, so a couple weeks in, I decided, you know what? I'm going to launch my own podcast. And I joined a course to learn the basics, realized that I had actually already known a lot of it from previous projects. Uh, and I had, thankfully, some engineer, uh, audio editing experience working with music. And so I decided to, to jump in, launched a show within about a month. And um, it was it was terrible. It was an absolutely terrible show. It was not fun for me to make. It was not fun for the guests to be on, and it was not fun for anybody to listen to. So I ran it for about two months, decided to end it, and started working with clients uh, just to stay in the space, make a little extra income alongside alongside the job, so on and so forth. Um, and, and then fast forward even further, three shows later of my own, and four, I believe at that time 25 shows for clients. Uh, and then I, I launched Tiny Leaps, my current show. And um, so so it was a long journey that started nine years ago with just learning how to create content um, that culminated through a series of random events in me creating audio content that has now sort of created all the future opportunities that are popping up. How were you soliciting clients back then? And the reason I ask is because, you know, the podcasting space and you know this as much as I do, you know, a lot of people jump in, they think, oh, I'll spend, you know, a couple of hundred dollars on equipment and boom, instant profit. And obviously <laughs> that that is not the case. You know, people don't understand it's a slow grind. Um, How did you how did you parlay that experience into, you know, a, a, obtaining client work? Because I remember when we met, you were you were working with clients and talking about audio production at the time. And this was a few years back already. So how were you, how are you actively seeking that out when it's not a skill that people just say, Hey, I need somebody to master audio from you. Are you going through groups or, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook, yeah. social media? Yeah. So that's the thing. And, and, uh, the landscape has changed so much because now there is an active demand. There are people like I, I launch new shows for clients, people who have never hosted a podcast in the past. The minute they launch like day off and their show is doing well, they get emails of people saying, Hey, can you teach me how to launch a podcast? Like it's, it's nuts how many people are out there looking now compared to, to your point. When I first started, there was nobody like podcasting was still, it was becoming a thing and right. it, it was pre serial. So it hadn't really gained, uh, gotten into culture yet, but it was, it, it was dismal. Um, and so for me, I got my start with doing the freelance side of it, focusing on communities, on groups. 
uh, and being a part of the community, giving value. At the time, the only value I could give was that I was able to to get shows from idea to iTunes very quickly. I, I was able to sit down and figure out well, what matters, what doesn't, and shelf all the things that don't matter and focus exclusively on what does matter. And And so that gave me a little bit of a competitive advantage compared to the person who you signed on as a client and all of a sudden you need to take three months to launch a show. Um, and, and my pricing was a terrible decision from a business point of view, <laughs> yep. view but, uh, That's what for the client, it was cheap. And so they're, they're going to work with me. Um, and, and that honestly led to, it, it was relationships. Uh, it was Facebook groups and, and being active in the community, trying to create content for that community and provide value for that community. And to this day, I haven't posted in that that first group in maybe a year, year and a half, but I still get messages from people that are like, "Hey, I I've seen your posts in this group and I know that you're real like you're an expert in this area." Um and and so it it's incredible the when you sit down to create value, value comes back at you. Um so so that's what I would do if I were starting again honestly is is jump into Facebook groups jump into these places where your customers are all populated and crowding or like it's a watering hole right like somebody came into the middle of the desert built a watering hole and then said hey look all of your customers are around this watering hole and it's free so why not why not go in and and see if you can get some stuff to happen no i, I you know it, it was interesting because as we as i did research for, for, for our interview, you know, I was reading your, the origin of tiny, tiny leaps. And I want to, I want to dig into that a little deeper, um, because that, you know, it's interesting the way that you streamline productivity for that particular show. Um, I like that most of them are, are bite-sized, easily consumable episodes you could listen to on a walk or run or a commute. Um, you know, I really wanted to commend you for that because you don't get, you didn't, you don't get in your own way when it comes to, to personal development. I think a lot of people, they, they, when they talk about personal development, they kind of get in their own way. And in particular, I wanted to, um, talk about your, the episodes where you talked about the loss of your dad. Yeah. Um, you know, all, you know, all professionalism aside, man, that, that, that touched me on a different level because I went through that, you know, so I, I wanted to tell you that that those episodes for me were probably so close to home that I, I like when I when you when you put out the third one I'm like you know what I'm not even in the right headspace to listen to this you know mm-hmm. because what ends up happening and and you know this as well as I do you know holidays come around reminders come around and your head just messes with you in that context and I felt that you know part of the part of the coping mechanism is finding other people that that have endured and gone through it and don't want to hear the, Oh, you know, we're sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so to hear it from, from your perspective in such a public fashion, man, you know, all, all the stuff we're talking about in the interview aside, I really wanted to tell you that that was probably the, the most, the most resonating piece of content from you for me. Dude, thank you so much for saying that. And I'll be honest. I, I think I mentioned this, and 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 so for those of you listening, he's referring to a series I did called "Losing a Loved One." Yep. Um, uh, on my podcast because unfortunately my father passed away in October of 2017, and um, I was terrified to put that out. Like being yep. perfectly honest, I was horrified, and I don't say that just as like. Like, I, I feel like that's become a talking point of, mm-hmm. oh, I was so scared to be vulnerable. No, I 
did not want to do it. My yep. aunt forced me to do it. And um, it, I didn't want to do it because it meant having to deal with these things. And it yep. meant having to face these things. And then there is also, on top of that, the feeling of, well, I'm being selfish and, and my audience doesn't care about this. They just want this content and blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you what, what you just said about it being the, the thing that resonated most with you the amount of messages and emails, because in that first one, I specifically asked people not to tell me that yep. they were sorry for my loss. Yep, because um, that doesn't do, you know, it's great because people feel empathy. And for me personally, I'm just like, you know, it got to a point where they'd be like, oh, sorry for your loss. I'm like, you didn't kill her, you know? <laughs> like, exactly. Like, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I know it's coming from a good place, and yep. I know it's coming from a place of not knowing what to do. Exactly. But in that moment especially when I was first going through it, it just made it worse somehow. Uh-huh, 100%. And, and so I, I just didn't want to hear it. But in lieu of that, or rather in, instead of that, people sent me their own stories. Like I got messages on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on email of people who four months prior had lost a parent, who three months prior had lost a brother. Uh, and they were willing to share this with me because I shared it with them. Yep. Uh, and, and we're talking about how me describing what I was going through, which I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't even listened to those episodes. I can't go back and do it. You know, it's, it's, like it's I, tough. I can't. It's tough because when, you know, for, for me, I'm in the, I'm, I'm well ahead in that. I, you know, I, my, my, I lost my mom, what, 18 years ago now. So I get it. And, and the worst part is like sometimes, you know, I, I, I use personal experience for some of my other content and talk about some stuff and people be like, you know, man, it's pretty cool. You shared that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's good to, to get that feedback. But when you listen back to it, you don't want to, you don't want to live through it. You know, it's like the person that yeah. saves the voicemail from that particular family. You know what I mean? Like a voicemail yeah, so from that's a family the family member. Like right now I have an old iPhone that I will never get rid of because I have voicemails from my dad on it. Yep. And that was one of the big things that I realized immediately afterwards was, holy crap, I'm never going to hear his voice again. Yep. Like all of a sudden this random voicemail of him wish wishing me a happy birthday and being an idiot is the most valuable thing in the world. Yep. And I, and I like what you had said and and you know i i knew we were kind of gonna veer off into this conversation because <laughs> i liked i liked what you had said about you know just doing it now for you because you were past the point of of trying to do it for them yeah. you know because i remember you know i used to tell my mom yeah you know when i you know when i make it i'm gonna buy you this this big screen tv and your own house you know what i mean and all this stuff and obviously you reach that point where you know uh, the father time has other plans and the thing about it is when you when you come to that realization, you realize like, listen, you can't you can't live for them. You got to live for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like for to hear that from another person that was thinking the same way I was, I was like, I'm like, holy shit, that's that that's good. Because, you know, what happens sometimes you sit there and when, you know, you said that you were a better person after it, you know, to, to anybody who hasn't walked in those shoes, they'll be like really you're a better person after that that's a that's a traumatic or you know heartbreaking experience yeah. or whatever but but as crazy as it sounds man i i'm with you you know because yeah. iron sharpens iron and at yeah. the end of the day you know those those are the things that kind of you know chisel you out chisel you out of cookie dough into granite you know yeah because that's the thing like you you never have to up until something like that happens there are very few moments in life where you have to face who you actually are yep very few moments like what the hardships we go through on a day to day basis are on the surface so ridiculous. Like we don't 
ever really have to deal with the person we actually are. And so after he passed and now I'm flooded with all the the grief and, and regret and so on and so forth. But then also the thought of, holy crap, he made most of the money. Like, what's my mom going to do? I'm uh-huh. sure I'm able to take care of her. And uh, like my sister is really taking it even harder than I did and or or handling it differently. It, like you have all these thoughts and all of a sudden you're like, I've been a child all this time. Uh huh. It's like, like trial by fire. I never once even considered any of these things until he died. Yep. That's a, that was without a doubt the craziest thing for me. I think when, you know, when, when my mother passed, I was 19 and it was just like, yeah, you know, like, you know, she was sick beforehand and I kind of prepped, but you don't, you don't really prep, you know, and that's, and that's what happens. Oh, and then, there's no prep for it. Yeah, man. There's, there's zero <laughs> prep, but, but you know, everybody's like, yeah, but you know, but you kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, but it's, it's different, you know, it's, it's like waking up and saying, Hey, one day I'm going to die. Yeah. You know, you are, but that doesn't mean that if somebody told you, Hey, you got a week that you're going to be prepared. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy that, that, you know, that a lot of people use that type of a thought process, but to hear it from you, like I said, I was like, wow, he, he gets it, you know, and to be, and being better for it, you look back and you're like, man, if, you know, this person would have still been here. I wouldn't have been able to do this because they would have been doing it. Like, think about this, mm-hmm. you know, like in your case, you know, you, you became the provider in your yeah. house, your strategy, how you approach money, how you approached, you know, bills, responsibilities, it all changed because the landscape of your life changed. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, you know, for you, like I said, it resonated so much for me. Cause I was like, man, he, he gets it, man. He gets it. And to put it so public, was you know it was you know it, it it's a it's a word that's cliched now you know courageous you know everybody leverages right. oh you're courageous for the, like not like, like no you are because that's something that not too many people can discuss freely yeah and i mean i i hesitate to even accept that because i i don't even think it was courageous mm-hmm. um, I, I think get it. that i was like I, I i say this all the time now that i'm a year and a couple months out uh i don't even remember last october like yep. october 2017 i i remember the day of and of being course. in the the hospital by his, his bedside and we were there for hours with his dead body there um and i of course remember the funeral uh everything in between is kind of just a, it happened um and and so me recording which literally was the next day like the the day of i woke up was going into work got the text from my mom that he passed out uh, got off the train and called immediately and she was screaming and, and, uh, saying he's not breathing and, and so on and so forth. Um, and sprinted to let my boss know, like, I'm out, went into, to Grand Central, barely made the train that I was aiming for. Like, literally, I got to Grand Central with a minute until the train pulls out. And I feel so bad to this day because I remember sprinting through and I, like, slammed into this old lady. And, uh, and, uh, I, I, she thankfully didn't fall or anything, but like, I just didn't care in that moment. Yep. Like, because your headspace was like, I'm, I'm making this damn train. Yep. I make it and I'm so glad I did because it happened to be the train my aunt was sitting on. Oh, well, there you um, go. and, and so when I got, I got the news that he passed on the train and I didn't know she was on that train. And, and so this, uh, the ticketing guy is walking by and I, I, mean, I just get off the phone with the news and he's like trying to make jokes with me. Like he doesn't know, obviously. No, but of he, he's like just trying to enjoy his life and, and make jokes. And I'm sitting here with this like shadow over me. Yep. 
stewing, no, stewing in your own sadness. Literally like <laughs> 30 seconds of knowledge that he passed away. And this guy, unfortunately, is trying to make it's like the weirdest timing. Yep. The bitter um, end. And I just like glare at him. And uh, I, I get up afterwards and I start walking to the bath to the restroom and I see my aunt sitting there and like she was just like an angel sitting in the back of this train randomly because like I had someone that I could just break down crying with. Yep. And, and so I did that. Um, and, and I just, like, I remember that day so vividly in every single detail, but the rest of the month, I have no clue what happened. And the very next day when I recorded it, I couldn't even tell you what I said in it. Honestly, man, like I have no clue. I know it was all real, but I have no clue what I said or how I got back to the apartment from upstate New York. Like, I have no idea. You, you know, um, I'll give you a, a personal insight. I was convinced by by my mother's cousin back then to to record the funeral like an idiot. So I recorded it on, you know, a little mini VHS. And I tell you, dude, there's a bag full of VHS tapes. And they have like birthday parties and all this stuff. I can't, I can't even go through them because I know because they're not labeled. I know that one of them is, is the grenade, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> and, and mind you, this is now 18 years later, you know, like, like it's like, oh, you know, to help you remember or help you heal. No, no, the hell it won't. <laughs> so, so that for you, the hardest thing for me, actually. Yeah. What's uh, that? In the very beginning, it was the realization that. It does never get easier. Nope. Because I started to have these conversations with people that were 20 years out, 15 years out, 10 yep. years out, um, when I was two months out. And up until then, up until it happens, you sort of have this thought in the back of your mind that, you know, if it happens, one day it'll get easier. But then you talk to someone who's 25 years out and, like, they still feel exactly the same. And they're like, oh, so I just have to suffer with this for the rest of my life? That sucks. Yep. Well, well, here's and, like that was so hard to wrap my head around. Well, I'm going to ask you this and and, you know, we'll 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 kind of kind of shift it forward. But sure. did it make you angry? Oh, Were you God. mad? And I asked because some people, they're just like, you know, some people felt it was relief. You know what I mean? Some people felt it, you know, relief for 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 the person, obviously. Um, were, were you mad like like that you that something was taken from you? And I asked because some people process it differently. Because I tell you, yeah. man, I was. I was pissed off for a long so, time. Yeah. So, uh, and this is a good transition. You mentioned in the intro that I was a musician. Um, and I wouldn't even call myself a musician, but I like to make music projects. Right. Um, and, uh, one of the things I did to help myself cope was create a mixtape, a, a hip hop mixtape that just documented basically all the feelings I had. Um, and so anger was a chief part of it because of the way it happened. Mm. Uh, like he was diagnosed with lung cancer and, and uh, all signs pointed positive. He was on the mend. He had survived the surgery. He had survived rounds of chemo, rounds of radiation. Uh, and he was more or less healthy. Right. Uh, the weekend I saw him, which was the weekend right before he passed away on a Tuesday. I saw him that the, the uh, previous weekend. He was fine. He was healthy. Uh, according to my family on Monday, he was even energetic, like eating mm -hmm. properly and so on and so forth. Um, and he passed away on the Tuesday and we didn't do an autopsy. So we don't actually know like what the cause was. Right. But they think it could be one of two things, both of which were preventable if there was better medical care. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there were two big failures. One was the the overall 
like medical team that was working with him, uh, with the exception of one guy, his uh, surgeon who did the big surgery. Like he actually showed up at his funeral, and I'm I'm so grateful to that guy to this day. Um, but the rest of the the medical team was was just not prepared. Mm. Uh, and then the second big failure, and possibly the most important one, uh, was his the the transport, the ambulance. Mm. So when they came, they were ill-equipped. Uh, the two pe- they had two people driving, uh, two people riding with it, and the person who was responsible to get him into the back of it could not do it. So actually, my mom and my brother-in-law had to do it. Um, she she had never dealt with a situation where somebody was at risk of dying, so she just didn't know she what froze. to do. She froze, yep. and they didn't turn on the siren until like we lived maybe a 30, 35-minute drive from the hospital, maybe even more, 40 minutes. Uh, they didn't turn on the siren until 20 minutes into it. Oh, jeez. So there are all these questions of like, of what if. Yep, lots of and what ifs. And you can never get those you can never get those answered. So at some point, you have to let them go. Mm-hmm. But there was so much anger because in my mind, it wasn't even like, oh, well, you know, it could have gone. No, it, it wasn't supposed to go this way. Right. Every single sign pointed to the opposite. And I just wake up one morning and he's gone. And then I hear that all of these failures yep. happened as a, in addition to that. And, and so one of the songs on the mixtape was called Enemy. And it was, or sorry, that was a working name. Uh, I was called execution and it was my verbal vocal attack at everyone who was responsible uh, or at least played some role Mm -hmm. Uh, because ultimately, and this is where I need to get real. He was responsible. Yeah, exactly. He started smoking when he was a teenager and kept it up and never quit up until he got diagnosed. So I'm more mad at him than I am anybody else as much as I love and miss him. Like I'm pissed because I remember being a kid, like hiding his cigarettes and making a very, very strong effort to help him quit. Um, and, and so I'm like, it's ultimately his fault, but, and I, I talk about that in that song. Like I attack him as well, but in addition to that, the medical system failed him. Yeah, I see. And, and that's the, you know, hearing, hearing you share that, you know, which, which I truly appreciate. You know, the, the parallels are very similar. You know, my mom was a, was a two pack a dayer, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and I remember, you know, the, the bodegas in the neighborhood, they kind of knew who I was. So she would send me if she couldn't go, you know, to the store and they'd be like, all right, I know who it's for. You know what I mean? Like, like, so it's exactly that, you know, you kind of just go off that mental checklist and you're just like, damn you did this and maybe I should have done this. And maybe if I would have done more of this, then this would have happened. And the worst part was it's like paralysis analysis. You know, you just drive yourself crazy. And then one day you just wake up and you're like, it is what, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And you know, I, I, in, to, to transition, I feel that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I felt, I feel that you threw yourself into work because that became a driving force to, to kind of, now that you were a provider, in in a way you knew that this was too big to fail at this point. Am I right? Yeah. And I mean, I, it it was complicated because there was this element of, and and I I talk about the first song on that mixtape is called combat. And it's the day it happened. Me basically saying, okay, you're gone. I need to take over. Um, and there was a hundred percent that mindset. Um, but also 
the timing is never great, but the timing was especially shitty. Um, uh, because 2017 until that happened was the greatest year of my life. Like I got my book deal in 2017. I was in talks to host a, a TV show. Like I had all of these incredible opportunities just falling on my plate. Uh, and then un- unfortunately he passed. But what that meant was I was in the middle of all of these opportunities. Yep. So I, I didn't feel like I could stop to grieve and to give myself mm-hmm. the time I needed because it felt like if I took my foot off the pedal, the momentum would go away and it, it would all fall apart. Um, and, and so I pour, put my head down and worked because I knew that at some point my mom's life insurance that he, she got from him would run out, but also because I couldn't afford to throw away these opportunities that I'd worked so hard for. And I know he wouldn't have wanted me to do that. Like if, if that, and I, I'm not positive where I land on the does heaven exist or not thing, but if it does and he's up there and I just crumbled as a result of this and, and lost all these opportunities, he would have he would have been pissed. Give you a kick in the ass. He would have come down and punched me in the face. <laughs> yep. That and that's and that's the thing that, you know, it's interesting because as you know, as 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 I dug into your story, I saw that, you know, you it's almost like peaks and valleys where you kind of see where your content had a particular shift, you know, because I definitely feel that after that that, you know, the the part one, you started doing more wellness stuff, I noticed. There's definitely a more increase in, in wellness. And I feel like as I, you know, both, both physical and mental well-being. And I said to myself that your, your content shift while intentional was also unintentional, you know, because you're like, all right, I'm going to dive into this work and I'm going to put out the best stuff possible. But under the surface, it was like, oh, you know, maybe people need to know about this because of this. Well, so that's the thing, right? And it, it's interesting because. Um, I've always held on to the fact that my show's job, it, its first job is to allow me to satisfy my own curiosity. Yep. Um, that's why I started it. 100%. And I, my curiosity tends to be around, and I, I don't even like describing my show as like a self-help thing. Like I think it's really about human behavior. Mm-hmm. And I believe Absolutely. that when you understand human behavior, you can then help yourself do better behaviors. Um, and, and so, it's interesting that you point out this shift because it wasn't intentional at all. Right. But I was in this place of pushing myself harder, doubling down on things like really, really committing. And at the time I was working full time, I had just gotten this amazing new job at, at the, uh, that I was working at the time. And I, between that and writing the book and building a side business, my agency uh, and, and serving the community and, and grieving and trying to support my family and blah, blah, blah. Um, I needed more support in the emotional well-being side of things. And and so because, like you said, subconsciously, like that's what I needed, that naturally became the content I created because the show is meant to document me and what I'm doing and yep. what I'm struggling with and, and the things I need to learn and master. Um, and by doing that, because it is real and because it is my day-to-day, people then resonate with it because yep. na- they're they're going through the same thing. Yep. I like, I like the fact that, you know, your show, you know, it's not, it's not, not that it's manufactured. You know what I mean? It's not, um, let me, let me, it's not, you know, Z morning zoo. You know what I mean? Like it's not manufactured. Like it comes from, from a genuine place picked, picked apart from genuine experiences. You know, the, uh, you know, five reasons to do squats. I, it was, was one that jumped out for me as a, you know, as a gym rat, I, you know, 
as someone who's been who's who's been a master of picking things up and putting things down since I was you know 14. You know, I hear stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a that's a departure from some of the other stuff. You know, like like a lot of them jumped out. You know, um, I liked uh, what to do when you change and your friends don't. Another another yeah. very very personal episode. You know, because you realize that you know you evolve and the people that are around you sometimes they they choose not to you know it, it's funny for me because you know i uh before my mother passed i had found out you know i was i was adopted and she actually adopted me before she she passed like like two weeks before like legally oh, wow. just to make sure that you know i could you know carry on for her yeah, when she was yeah. gone which is insane but you know here i am you know 18 years old walking into a courtroom you know and <laughs> and you know i ended up when I became the guardian for my sisters, the same guy that did the adopt, the same judge, he saw me back two weeks later and he's like, Oh man, I know why you're here. You know, like it was crazy. And, yeah. um, you know, years, it, I started, I guess just out of curiosity to close my own loop, reconnecting with my biological siblings and some were better off than others, you know, and it's funny because, you know, you try and, and tell these people and without trying to make it seem like you're doing better, you kind of want to impart some wisdom on them, you know? And the, and the worst part is it's exactly that. Like sometimes people just don't want to evolve and you gotta, you gotta cut them off, you know? Yeah. Because then. Yeah. So, I mean, they're... this is something that, um, I've been thinking about a lot because I was at an event recently and, um, I asked the presenter, uh, this woman who is the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> it's so, yeah, funny so... you bring that, funny you bring up that exact person because I. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I was asking her. She she was giving a presentation on like how she builds culture and uh, inspires this sort of switch to uh, prioritizing soft skills, so things like empathy and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and I wanted to ask her with her culture building approach, how you can basically apply that to building an audience instead of building a team. Um, and and so where that ended up was changing my understanding. Of basically, there's a balance to be found between being an influencer and being a community builder, and it's two separate ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And and so somebody like a Gary V, like he's very extreme to the influence side of things. Yep. And in order to get there, you kind of have to elevate yourself a little bit. You kind mm-hmm. of have to like not present yourself as like, oh, I'm better than you, but give people a reason to look up to you. Because that's ultimately what drives their action is do they feel either consciously or subconsciously that you're someone worth listening to and, and that you have their best interest in heart and that you can help them. Yep. Um, and, and by being elevated, they see all of those things and therefore they take more action. On the other end of the spectrum, you have community builders that don't elevate themselves from their group at all. They are a part of the group. Right. But the hard thing is that the community builder since they're not seen as influential, they don't have as much power to drive action. And so what I've been realizing for my content is I need to do a better job of finding that balance between the two because ultimately I do want to be a part of my community and that's what I do well now, but I want them to take action. I want them to do stuff because that's ultimately what gets them the results that they want. Yep. And and so I need to add a little bit more of the, again, not I'm better than you, but here's why you should listen to me aspect of things. Um, and that that's a tough balance to find, but but it's it's something I'm starting to realize is actually uh, it plays a bigger role than than I originally thought. Yeah, you want to be the guy 
you want to go from the guy holding the sword to the guy leading the charge. And yeah. it, it's tough because, you know, that, that level of, of disconnect is sometimes you get lost in that. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I had a weird Gary V experience, but it, you know, aside from that, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's weird because especially like, like in your group, you know, your Facebook group, like you go, you create questions, you create engagement and you'll, you'll lead the charge, but occasionally you'll pop in and somebody will write something and sometimes it's right or wrong. And you'll be like, listen, you know, thanks for sharing that. But you know, it might be better if you approach it like this. And that's kind of where you take off your, your leader hat and you jump into the trenches, which is good. And I think that that's, you know, that's a big part of why you've been doing so well in a lot of your endeavors, because what you end up doing is you put yourself in both pairs of shoes, the shoes of the leader and the shoes of the person, you know, searching in the dark with a flashlight. Yeah. And I think that, that, yeah, it's helped a lot, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, the reason I started the show was I, I was sick of self-help. I was sick of the personal development industry. and, And I thought that it was going too far in the influencer side of things. Like, I I got a lot of value from Tony Robbins growing up. He was the one his book inspired me to get into entrepreneurship and and really think more about taking control of my life. And this is when I was 13. So it a lot of value has come from him, but I mean, I don't need to tell you or your audience how cultish his people can be. Absolutely. It's And I think that's that's a broken model. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the problem is that you know, too many people drink the Kool-Aid so to speak. And the problem with that is that these guys, you know, the Gary V's, all of these guys, they want you to drink the Kool-Aid, but once you've had your fill, they want you to move on. Right. Like that's the whole point. You know, it's like they, even with, even with your content, you, you give people the tools, Hey, this is what you got to do to be better. And, you know, I appreciate you sticking around and contributing to my community and being a part of my community. But once I've solved your, your issue, you know, it's almost like then the student becomes the teacher. You want 100%. them to go off and you want them to do this stuff. So, you know, it, uh, a question I was curious about was, you know, in, in the origins of, of your, your podcast, you had talked about that you were reading the a book on the subway. Was it a Tony Robbins book that you were reading? No. Uh, <laughs> what were you so, reading? Cause you didn't, you didn't so mention I, it. And I, I was like, I'm going to ask him. So I won't give the name and I won't give the author. Okay. Um, fair enough. Somebody that I, uh, I know personally. Ah, um, I see. I see. So I, I don't want there to be any, any, uh, hard feelings about it. Oh, um, but it was, uh, <laughs> gotcha. it was a new book at the time and the big focus around it as, as you heard, but uh, for your audience was that if you pursue your passion, life is basically going to be amazing and you're going to be excited to get up every morning and work on your thing. Um, and that's just not true. Nope. It, it's no, not. sir. Um, and, and so that's, and, and by the way, that wasn't the reason I started the show. It was more of like a last straw kind of thing. Right. Ah, like, it was, it was it. Like that was, the, that was yeah. the last one. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think what really set me off even more so than the book itself. So it was self published and it just made me realize how easy it is to get a message into the world, which then made me realize that holy crap, that's going to lead to a lot of really bad messages uh-huh. that people are going to act on. It's, um, it's insane. And how so that's I started changed. the show almost as like an antidote to <laughs> bad messaging in how, in how you actually improve your life. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, 
first of all, that's, that's a that's a ballsy way to look at it because what happens is a lot of people they automatically grab a book, and especially to your point, now that self publishing has become uh, not not turnkey, so to speak, but definitely a lot easier than it was where you know people's information isn't being as vetted as much. Like sometimes I you know I'll download an ebook from from Amazon for a buck, you know, because it's related to a content I like. Uh, to, to content I like and I read it and you know, it's whatever, 25 pages, 50 pages. And I go, right. I go, okay, did nobody fact check or, or yeah, talk exactly. to this person and, and the tell them that that's not yeah. good to talk about, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing is like that to me, it raises this big question. Ultimately, I think that having no gatekeepers is a good thing, mm. but it does raise this question of, well, there were valuable aspects to gatekeepers, so how can we replace that? Because having to go through a traditional publisher and get quote unquote chosen meant that you had a filter. Right. Like you couldn't just say anything in the world regardless. And and so and that by the way, one of the issues I had with this book was uh he was saying a lot of stuff that maybe was true, but he wasn't revealing that a lot of the people featured had safety nets. And by that, I don't even mean that they were rich. Right. Like I have, I have a safety net yep. because I have a good relationship with my mother. So if my business fails, she's never going to let me be homeless. Yep. She'll be like, like yo, come back. Simple. It's true. Exactly. Exactly. And so I have a safety net and a lot of people that he mentioned had an even bigger safety net, but he never talked about that. And that's what I think bothered me the most was someone who really truly does not have a safety net. Maybe both their their uh, parents aren't alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just have a crappy relationship with their family. Maybe they have seven kids and their husband is about to walk out and like they have no savings. But they read this book and maybe a few others like it and decide, you know what? The secret is I need to find my passion. So then they quit their job at the mailroom yep. to go start a business. But they have none of the skills required to start a business. They uh-huh. don't know how to sell anything. They don't know how to develop a product. They don't know how to serve a client. <laughs> And so all of a sudden, three months later, they're on food stamps. Yep. And then and then it becomes the wow, you know, first it becomes, well, I'm going to blame everyone else and not blame myself. And that's because sometimes, you know, you take an idea and you should write it down and you should say to yourself, "Okay, I wrote this idea down. How do I get there to to your point? You know, tiny, you know, tiny leaps. All right. Well, you know, I want to run my own business. Okay, what should I do? Well, let me go online, see what kind of free white paper and ebook is out there to start running. A, you know, what I, and, 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 and little pieces, because at the end of the day, if you jump in it blind, you're going to get caught out there. I mean, I remember, so, you know, when the, when that book, The Secret dropped, a lot of people were like, yeah, man, you know, you got to do this and put good vibes into the world and they'll come back. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but good vibes don't pay the rent. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's my other big problem is like, after the secret dropped and maybe it was there before, but I wasn't paying attention to it. There became this like movement of, well, you just got to think positive and manifest it and like build your dream boards and so on and so forth. (laughs) Do I think there's value in that? Of course. Yeah. Because it controls where you focus, but ultimately controlling where you focus is supposed to drive behavior change. Mm -hmm. So ultimately you need the behavior change. And by the way, it's a back and forth relationship. Damn right. If you change your behavior, then that changes where you focus, or if you change your focus, that can change your behavior. So where I tend to to put my time in is because it's it's hard as hell to control your focus. Life is complicated. Hell yeah. So if I just control my behavior, that will eventually change the way I think, which will then drive more behavior change. So with with that said, and 
you know, we, you, you kind of touched on, on your, on your book, which, um, I, I actually pre-ordered it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Oh, dude, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, I got it. I got it on the Kindle because I'm just trying. I I got too many comic books and too many books, <laughs> so I'm trying to just <laughs> keep, that, keep myself uh, nice and in one device. I, well, I wanted- by the way, um, I'm actually, and this is open invitation to you or anyone listening. I'm having a launch party for it on January 15th. Oh, nice! Um, so if you want to come get a signed physical copy, uh, location TVD, but you can find more info about it at. Uh, tinyleapsbookparty.com okay cool excellent i'm writing that down for for the show notes for this episode um you know you were talking about the the publishing process um you know to to walk me through it now with the with the book like obviously you were taking a lot of your practice that you've implemented on air and you're putting it to to paper and it's funny because it reminded me of um tim ferris's tools of the titans right in the way that you're approaching it because i think that the way you've approached it is more grounded. You know what I mean? And, and to your point, there's not a safety net. Like go using Tim Ferriss as the example, you know, he put this book out, but the dude's been doing podcasts for, you know, X amount of time. He's got three books under his belt. So, you know, if he puts out a book about, you know, productivity and stuff like that, people are going to be inclined to check it out. But what I do put put out a cookbook (laughs) and made it a bestseller. Let's be real here. Yep. And, And, and you know, you've got influence when, you are not a chef, but you can do that. Damn right. And, and to, to, you know, with you, uh, you know, the process toward, towards getting the book made, you know, you've, you've definitely been pretty transparent with it. And I, and I know that you've had challenges along the way. I, I mean, you know, how did you, how did you get out of your own way to get the book out? Um, I didn't. Is yeah. The, <laughs> the nice. short of it. Um, <laughs> respect. I, so I had a total of six months to write it. Okay. I got the, um, the contract sometime in 2017 and it was due january i ended up uh getting a one-month extension handed it in, in february wow um i wrote most of it in three months wow um, and so and and this is this isn't necessarily anything new this has always been hop operated i was the classic kid that waited until <laughs> the night before kind of thing yeah um I'm with and you. that tends to honestly be like i've tried the do it little by little thing i just can't do it uh it just doesn't work for me um, so, so what I've had to do to sort of hack around that is instead of waiting till the night before, like dedicate a large chunk of time where it's the only thing I'm doing. Um, and, and so for the book that ended up being the last three months and every single moment I had, I was writing. So wow. whether I was sitting on the subway, like there was a period of time where I was heading into work, I bring my laptop with me, pull out my laptop on the subway, a thing that I still feel weird about. Uh huh. I don't people are hell yeah i I needed to sit down and write so that hour-long commute i had back and forth every single day became writing time Uh, when i was in the bathroom i'd pull out my phone and i was writing everything on google docs so i could pull it up anywhere and write and and so very smart over the course of these like very small moments wherever i could find it plus then staying up ridiculously late every night (laughs) and waking up really early uh I, i was able to to get it done uh, and it was, it was a tough process, man. I, to this day, like I will write another book, but to this day, I, this is the, one of the hardest things I've like produced. This is one of the, the most difficult things I've had to sit down and create simply because it didn't come naturally to me. Uh, and the only rule for myself was I didn't want to do what most podcasters do, which is we're going to get old episodes transcribed, oh, and organize man. Mm-hmm. it, and then make a book out of it. 
That's not a book. That's nope. just a written podcast. Absolutely. Um, and so my rule for myself was we're going to take the core of the show, the core message, which is all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Yep. That That is the core philosophy. From there, we're going to look at it from a different angle. And so the book and the podcast become two separate entities that support each other and are complements to each other, but do not derive from each other. Right. And, you, and so the, the podcast job is to look at that philosophy from the day to day behavior change. Here are the things you can do. Right. The book's job is to explore why it is we now know what to do. And I'm telling you what to do on the show, but you're still not doing it. Like, what is that gap? Why, why aren't you taking action? And so we look really deep into some of the, the psychology behind it, some of the, uh, studies that have been done behind it debunk some myths like the need for passion and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, and, and through interviewing people through my own experiences and through, uh, research that other people have done, I create a, a thesis for how we can start to bridge that gap and, and start to take more action on the things we know we should do. You know, with, with, with the way that you're approaching it, it's almost, I, I like to look at it like, um, you you ever seen the movie Beetlejuice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where they get where where they gave him the handbook for the recently deceased? Oh yeah. That so so I look at it that yeah. way because you know in life there are certain things you read that they end up kind of shaping who you become you know and in the way that you're approaching it I think that it's 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 the right approach because what happens is especially when you said you want to debunk a lot of stuff because again. It, there's so much information coming your way from so many different sources nowadays that all of a sudden, you know, a hundred podcasts under your belt, three ebooks, and you become an expert. You know, maybe there's okay. a, or you know, it, it's like, um, like, like Doctor Oz. Everybody b- takes what he says with, you know, as if it's, you know, gospel because the guy's on TV. He's put out a bunch of books, but some, the, the, he's had instances where people have said, hey, you know. XYZ thing that you said was bullshit, you know, and it's, yeah. it, it's happened. And I think that you're, you're, the way you're approaching this is just a, a, a genuine way to do it. Because like you said, it's not, it's not podcast notes in a book. It's, it's right. genuine, it's genuine strategies and ways to just be, a, be a, you're a better self, unleash your, your strongest self, you know, and I think that that in doing it that way it's it's just a better it's just a better message across the board you know and i definitely want to commend you for doing that i appreciate that and i mean it's something and i want to make sure i state this because i think a, one of the big issues i have with personal development and self-help is whoever is talking says hey this is the way you need to do it yep like this is what works um and i want to say that my approach to it works for me and the people who listen to me right but if you're super into the metaphysical side and the manifestation and the crystals and blah, 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 do you, baby boo. That's like, it. I'm not going to stop you. Um, whatever works for you is what works for you. Like it all works. Taking action is ultimately what matters. And mm-hmm. so whatever gets you to take that action, I really don't care. Yep. It's more so whose method works for you. And so if it's mine, awesome. And I appreciate you. If it's Tony's, Go for it. If it's Mel Robbins, if it's Lewis Howes, if it's any of the other people you can think of in this space, I really don't care. Just do something. And that's ultimately what's going to create the changes you want in your life. And, and that's all I really care about is do you have a better life or not? No, it's true. I think I think that at the end of the day, it's it's not about what, you know, 
you being at the dance. It's about what got you to the dance in the first place. And, Absolutely. and that's the, that's the thing that, that, that so many people, and that's why I asked you about, you know, getting out of your own way, because it's exactly that you want by, by you putting out a book, you're telling people like, Hey, you haven't done this. Why? Oh, I haven't done this because I hate my job. Okay. Well, let's deconstruct why you hate your job. You know, is it, is it because yeah. you don't make enough money? All right. Well, if you don't make enough money, go and sell stuff on eBay, buy stuff at the dollar store, sell stuff on eBay, make extra money to the point where you, you, you offset taking a lesser paying job that'll put a smile on your face, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. But, but sometimes people need to be told that. And I think that, that the way you're, 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 you're looking at it is, is just the right way to do it because some people, they need that, you know, and, and, and I, and I hate using this because it's like the, the John Lee Dumas, the aha moment, you know, they need, they, they need, they need that. And, you know, it, it's in a way though, it's true because I think, and you know, you can, you can definitely correct me on this. I think the way you want to approach this is you want people to read this book and realize like, Hey, maybe this isn't working because maybe I was looking at it wrong and I just need a different set of eyes. And your book is a different set of eyes. Yeah. And, um, that, that's, uh, I think that's a hundred percent the right way to categorize it. Honestly, you know, it's, it's crazy. And I wanted to ask, you know, when it came time for you to get this book published and you know, you got your contract, how did you, how did you approach that when you walked in, you know, that you go, Hey, I do this. This is how I want to do it. How, how was the, the, uh, the, the, the pitch? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is the part I can't give any advice on whatsoever. Go ahead. No, it's, it's, it, it's your, it's your I, story. <laughs> I, they came to me. Get out of here. Really? That's cool, man. Yeah. They came to me. Um, one of the editors listens to my show. And so that's phenomenal. It worked out. They were looking for a book in this category. She said, Hey, I listened to this show. Um, let me see if he has an idea for a book. She emailed me. I almost deleted the email thinking, no freaking <laughs> way is this happening? Um, and then finally I was like, all right, let me see what this is about. Uh, and I'll be honest when uh, last June, I didn't even have an idea for a book. I knew one day I wanted a book. I knew that the show would eventually become a book, but I assumed that was five years out. And, wow. and so it wasn't even remotely on my mind. It was just one of those things that sometimes opportunities pop up that you say yes and figure it out. And That's... so they said, hey, we, we want to uh, take on your book. Can you send us a proposal for what it would be so I can pitch it to the rest of the team? Uh, you have until Friday. And so uh, every night that week, I sat my ass down and figured out what this book should be, wrote up the proposal, which by itself was like 20 something pages. Wow. Um, and, and sent it in and, and they bought it. And so now I have a book. You, you know, it's funny. I was, as you said, you were writing, you were, you were putting together the proposal. I was going to ask that you start writing the proposal Thursday night based on what, <laughs> based on what we were talking about. Well, so here's the thing. One week is basically the night before. Yep. Or that's, something like that. Yep. Uh, so it worked out really well. But, um, one of the, the, uh, things, I guess if there was any advice I would give is that you have way more negotiation power when they approach you. Tremendous. So, Whatever you need to do to make that possible, whether that is creating a podcast or blogging or doing videos, like building an audience, because ultimately what they care about. And and that's where I I think my my unique strength in this space comes from is I boil things down to what what actually matters here. Yep. Ultimately, what they care about is can you sell copies? That's it. They don't actually care about how good the book is. They don't actually care about any of the the subjective things yep. they care about. Can you sell copies? Yep, the end game. They're not going to sell it for you. Um, and so 
if you have, if we go to the extreme of it, whatever your topic is, let's say you want to be uh, the number one best-selling New York Times author of a book on knitting. Like, if you had a million people saying, hey, we want a book on knitting, and you approached a publisher, they would say yes and give you a deal because you have a potential million sales. Now, are you going to get a million? Absolutely not. That is, that, that's us going to the extreme of it. Right. But if we go to the extreme and know that in this scenario, this is absolutely 100% true, well, we can reverse engineer that to something that is practical. So could you get 100,000? Could you get 3,000? Could you get 500? Like we just lower the number to something that you can actually reach. But we still know that as long as that the ultimate truth of it is if you have an audience that is willing to buy your book, a publisher will give you a deal for it because they want that money. Now, so that's the the biggest advice I can give is uh, don't go about it in the same way that you shouldn't go about applying to jobs in the traditional way. Like you should network and so on and so forth. Uh, Don't go about getting a publishing deal in the traditional way. Like give them a reason to give a crap about you. Make it an easy yes to say. Make yourself a thought leader. Or a, or a subject matter expert. That's, you know, to, to, to hear that, it, it, it goes, it, it, it's proof positive that, you know, you gotta, you gotta chip away at what, what you want to do and not, not go for the, uh, the get rich quick, you know, like it's not, yeah. it's not gonna just happen. Wait around and hope that because you have this great manuscript that somebody's gonna give you a deal one day. They don't care who you are or what the book is about. I saw that you had, you're also, there's an audiobook version of, of the book also coming out um yeah you know how'd that work out (laughs) with getting an audiobook version like like did you oh yeah you know it was it was written into the original contract and the only thing i made sure of was that i was the one reading it nice um because typically publishers don't let the author do it i've heard yeah because i'm a podcaster like just makes sense damn right um so (laughs) that that was really like that wasn't a big lift either it was they wanted to own the rights to the distribution of the book itself and the okay. distribution of the audiobook. Um, I all I changed in the contract was that I got final say on marketing stuff and um, the like would be consulted on things like graphics and so on and so forth. Um, and and that was purely just to make sure that I'm like safeguarding the the representation of the brand. Now, did yeah, you? It was an easy, it was an easy thing. Did you do that? All did you do the 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 contract review yourself did you hire an attorney just because these are these are things people might be curious about if they're on their own yeah on their own path yeah, so i would hire an attorney <laughs> i would 100 percent recommend that i thankfully i personally didn't so i read through the entire thing myself but my girlfriend also works in publishing has, ah. she just got a master's in publishing has been in publishing for ridiculous amount of time you and had a ringer <laughs> part, of, part of her job was reviewing contracts so it just worked out that uh that she was able to help me like get clear on what's supposed to be in it and what's not mm. um but had i not had that i would have 100 percent hired an attorney and you can get somebody like you can get it on like rocketlawyer.com or something like that um like get it digital and, and save a few bucks not having to go to an office so on so forth nice all right um but before we jump into the the next part of it, I did I did want to tell you that you know what you're doing and the way you're approaching it, man. You know, just just stay the course. Don't let don't let anything get get in, in in the way of that because you've you know you've taken your experiences that your experiences and you've shaped them into tools and 
and actionable intel for people that are out there in similar situations. Like I said, you know, I've been in the game for a minute, but I still got actionable intel from the content you put out. You know, don't don't ever change that. I appreciate that, man. Because that's, you know, that's that's the driving force, you know. And, and like I said, we've been connected for years and then, you know, we reconnected just based on other content. And I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, Greg's out there killing it. You know, like, like he's out there really, really putting, putting foot, foot to gas. And, you know, not, not too many people are out there doing that because either they need to get jump started, they need that kick in the ass, but, but you're out there doing it, man. And, you know, don't let anybody sell you short that you're, you're not working hard because you definitely are and people see it. Appreciate that, dude. Definitely appreciate that. So the, the next part of our show we like to go into is the, is the hot seat, uh, bunch of rapid fire questions, nothing too crazy. Um, a lot of it ties into, you know, the, the tech aspect of, of, of what your content is, but there's some lighthearted stuff in there also. Um, you know, you were talking about that you write on your phone. What phone are you using to do your writing? Uh, so at the time, I believe I was on a, um, oh no, I had just switched. So I was, I'm on the, uh, Note 8. Ah, Note fan. Note 8. Nice. Um, yeah, I switched from iPhone for this one. Um, Huh? <laughs> not. I I do love it, but it's a little bit too big. Nice. Uh, it's one of those things where you can't hold it with one hand and text comfortably. Yep. So I'm always terrified of it falling. Yeah. Um. So I wish it was a tiny bit smaller. Yep. And yeah, and you beat me to it because that was actually the, ne- the the next I was going to ask what you like or dislike about the device because I too was a former Note user and when the seven started to blow up, I uh I made the jump back into into apple's embrace and even though i missed the pen i missed the pen dearly because i actually used it i i really oh, yeah, did I use it all the time exactly and and that's what it is like i'm like i miss i miss just being able to write a note on the screen real quick oh man it was it was you know it's it, so it, it's funny how how that works out and you did all your writing you were saying through through google docs right on the phone right and then you just continue on your desktop uh, and whenever I got sick of typing, I would switch to uh, Google Docs has a fantastic voice to text software. Built wow. In. Like it's ridiculously accurate. Didn't know um, that. Yeah. It, I discovered it because I just I feel, felt like I couldn't keep typing at one point. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I would just switch between inputs based on where I was at or, or what I need to do to keep going. When you turn on your phone every day, where's the first place you go? Uh, unfortunately <laughs> either email or instagram mm-hmm. so looking at my home screen there's three apps literally like the my three most used apps that are it's actually interesting i'm so glad you asked this because i'm looking at my screen and they are right where my thumb lands like they're in line <laughs> right where my thumb lands um, so it's no surprise that they're my most three uh it's messages gmail and instagram okay um on your on your desktop or a laptop um first for most used program probably adobe audition nice you're you're an audition you use audition for for the podcast then yeah nice i'm starting to learn it so definitely a bit of a learning curve just because i want to have it in the toolkit you know just like everything else so it's good good to know that that you use audition and um you know your stuff comes out crispy man so i know i know you're 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 knocking it out of the out of the park with that like i said you know we were talking about hindenburg before we started recording but audition is nice man it's just for me i'm like oh no <laughs> yeah i came from an adobe background oh okay so the the layout made a lot of sense like when i um uh, my first foray into media production was video 
and oh, okay. my school taught Premiere Pro, so that's sort of where I started. Like I've never used Vegas or or any of the others. Wow! Uh, and now it's just the, the Adobe does a really good job of taking the same experience and applying it to a different medium. Okay. So you feel like you already know it, even if you like it's the difference between editing audio and video or editing a photo and, and video like you still feel like you know how it works outside of your own content what's one website you recommend to people often hmm. that is a good one you know i i struggle with this because i find myself spending most of my time on uh, like consuming content through social platforms really like so yeah so i i actually can't even remember the last like blog that i went to wow uh, I typically like spend most of my time on YouTube or Twitch, okay, and um, Facebook begrudgingly. But yeah, that that's that's a good one. You got a you have I a guess. favorite YouTuber then, if that's the case. Reframe the question so a bit. I'm I'm obsessed with politics lately. Oh, okay, the last like two years, uh, and I uh, I categorize myself as a progressive. So I'm a big fan of uh, Secular Talk, uh, The Young Turks, and Minority Report. Um, so I typically just have something from them on rotation most days. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've seen some of the Young Turk stuff, man. I, I usually envy their, their studio setup. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I go, I, I wish go, I had that setup. Yeah, man. I go, man, those guys are, those guys are, you know, cause of course, like anything else with, you know, it's funny you talk about politics with, with Facebook, you know, usually from November through January, I mute anybody who talks about like politics, <laughs> but, and, and I mean talking about politics in a, divisive sort of way of you know because what happens is sometimes the people who you're friends with you don't really know them and then you're like wow that's what you think about that yeah, <laughs> and yeah, then, and it's like earth shattering yeah it. yeah so uh, i'm like because like to your point like so i consider myself a progressive like i'm a fan of medicare for all and blah 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 mm -hmm. but if somebody is a conservative i don't have a problem with them by default right i have a problem when they then take it to the next level of you're a piece of crap yep because you believe because of your ideology and that's like okay well now we can't necessarily relate to each other at all because we can't even be civil like that's a problem yep that's that's so the scary that's part when i start to mute or unfriend and that sort of thing. yep that and and that's why I'm, I'm glad i you know we reframed it to ask about you know whose youtube content you're consuming because now with the with the advent of video man the the amount of people that are you know quote-unquote political it's insane. Everybody wants to Dude. be John Oliver. You know, everybody yeah, wants to be really the Young crazy. Turks. Everyone is getting into it now. And you almost can't not, or you go, you almost like can't avoid it. Nope. You can't. Like, I create self-help content and sometimes things that happen politically, because really what I try to talk about is like all the different factors that affect behavior. And obviously politics and economics plays a big role in that. And so I find myself like having to ask this question of should I weigh in or not? quite mm -hmm. often and typically i choose no but right there I with you very easily see a scenario where like i i have to because it so directly affects human behavior and now all of a sudden i'm a talking head yep i i stop myself often you know as as a minority because sometimes you know people will write something and they'll you know like they'll write some sort of oh this thing that thing you know some sort of of you yeah. know trump trump thing or whatever and i'll just be like listen man and and this is all I'll ever say. I'll be like, listen, just remember, you're not native here either. You know, like, like that, like that's the thing I always tell people. It's like, you know, and and not to even go political, but I always tell people, it's like, listen, you can't complain about people about Mexican descent because they were here first. 
True. You know, you can't Very complain. It, it's like Very if, true. if anybody has any right to throw us out, it's them and people that are Native American. Period. Yeah. And that's it. You know, we're we're all we're all either brought here by force, brought here by by brought here by force, or brought here for, with the promise of a better life. You know, like that's. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And so, you know, that's how I always try to look at it. And I stop myself for that exact reason. Like you said, like sometimes you don't want to become a talking head or you don't want to become a person that drives an agenda, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. That's the worst part, especially us as content creators. We get pushed into that so often, like, oh, you're pushing an agenda. It's like, you know, real quick, I said something about, um, you know, a, a female journalist being attacked on a podcast. This was a few years back and somebody wrote mm-hmm. in comments Oh, you know, this guy's pushing a, a... Was this the uh, Gamergate? Yes. And and I was a feminist that, you know, you're pushing a feminist yeah, agenda. Yeah, yeah. And I said, listen, man, I wouldn't want my sisters, my mother or whatever to be called, you know, a slut or whatever because they put out their... Con- you know what I mean? Like they share their opinion yeah. with the world. That's not being a feminist. It's just being human. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. And that's exactly what it was. And people are like, yeah, man. And I'm like, that's, you know, it's not even... I, I didn't even want... um a glowing endorsement for that. It's like, it's just being human, you know, like that's, that's the scary part. Um, I favorite piece of tech besides your phone or your computer. Uh, so I'm going to use the word gear, but what I mean is the collective Uh gear of cameras, microphone. Like I am upset. I I have a problem. Yes. Buying equipment. Uh, amen. It is the happiest <laughs> day in the world to me. Hell yeah. When I get to open something new. So nice. Uh, I'll, I'll just use the term gear to represent everything. Nice. Do you work, uh, with music or without music? And what are you listening to when you are? So typically with, mm-hmm. uh, and I listen to one of three things either. So I'm a big fan of on YouTube. They're starting to pop up all these uh, channels that are live 24 seven. Okay. Music channels. So I listen to a lot of lo-fi hip-hop. Uh, that's actually been, I find it really, really calming. It allows you to sort of get into your head and work. Uh, if I need to be pumped up and I'm drinking coffee at the same time, I listen to dubstep or, uh, or, or trap. And that's like, that thing is like taking adrenaline and pumping it directly into your veins. Like nice. it, I, I lose my freaking mind when when uh dubstep and and specifically when it's combined with coffee i don't know why but um, <laughs> uh and then the third thing is uh i listen to i'm a big fan lately of listening to albums so when an album drops by somebody i'm following like wanting to experience the full album whereas just a couple of years ago like i didn't really care that much about it mm. um so yeah that it's it's one of those three things depending on where i'm at are you consuming your albums through through a streaming service are you buying albums the old-fashioned oh, yeah, way nice you know some people still yeah, still I like the, the feel of a cd to, um, <laughs> about to invest in a record player. i want to really uh, start buying some uh, vinyls yeah i got obsessed over the summer my girlfriend's family and i uh went to cape cod and we mm. stayed in this airbnb and they had this this record player in the corner uh i just got obsessed with it that's crazy man it, you know, I have a, a garage full of like my mom's old records and my brother, you know, he's a lot older than me. He has a lot of, um, I remember he had the, the, the record for the movie Metropolis. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And it unfolds, the, the cover unfolds into like a giant robot. I was so That's tripped out awesome. with that stuff when I was a kid, man. So it's cool. It's cool to hear that, you know, like, like vi- seeing vinyl as a resurgence, but also appreciating that you can just consume it digitally, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. You you mentioned Twitch before, so clearly you're a gamer. Uh, what are you playing? 
a ton of Fortnite, as as is the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> and car- not currently playing, but go on and off every six months or so. I've been playing World of Warcraft since release. Wow. So what is that, like 14 years of my life? Jeez. Right. Very cool. Um, <laughs> the, if that's the case, then if you're playing Fortnite, I would ask that what was your last gaming purchase? But clearly that was Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably was a skin of some type. Oh, okay. Um, what's an item you've purchased recently that's less than $100 that's made your life easier or more enjoyable? Could be anything. Oh, you know what? So my, um, my girlfriend bought it for me. Uh, this water bottle. So it, I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I'll go with it. Shoot. Uh, so it's, uh, it's from this brand Hydra Peak. Okay. And she got it at Marshall's. I, I think it was maybe 20 bucks, but this thing keeps water so damn cold for so damn long. And Nothing wrong with that. it's incredible. Like I, 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 I know how it works. I understand the tech. It's nothing magical, but I look at this thing and I like have it sitting there for hours and I take a sip and it's ice cold. I'm like this. This is why Harry Potter exists. Like, this is what he's doing, and I'm totally okay with it. I'm glad you mentioned it because now I got to look for one because usually this is what ends up happening. Now that you know I work from home, I end up getting uh, a large, you know, large bottles of water from like Trader Joe's. I bring the water in my office. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start drinking it. I start drinking it. It gets warm. Then it yep. sits there. I get annoyed. I put it back in the fridge, and I'll, I'll grab the next coldest thing, whether it's a monster or an iced coffee or whatever. You know what right. I mean? And then it's like the water sits there and it's like a bunch of half open bottles of water getting cold. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a Pete, that's a, a brand I'm going to have to take a look at. then. Yeah. This thing has been awesome. There's a bunch of brands that do a similar thing. It's like the, like it can keep things warm too. If I wanted to put tea or soup or something in it, Nice, uh, but I typically only use it for water. All right. So obviously we've talked tech, obviously the, the title is toys and tech of the trade. Um, what was your favorite toy growing up? So my cousins uh, and I, we're, we're super close growing up. Like I, I consider them like brothers and um, we played with Dragon Ball Z toys all the time. Nice. Like I, my favorite was the teen Gohan. Toy. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, and so pretty much every day we didn't even have like sets or anything like that. Like we literally just have the toys and make up fights and like it, it, it was just awesome. Very cool. So for a while, we had like every single character. Man, you, you know, it, it's funny because I got I got into Dragon Ball Super recently. And, oh yeah. Yeah, I started buying like the statues. Like you know, there's a couple Dragon Ball statues in my office now. I'm like, oh man, I got out of this awesome. stuff. Like after the, after Dragon Ball Z <laughs> and the tape trading. And they dragged me. Down. Oh man, and you know, it, it, same thing with the you know the Funko Pops. Like I got into them, and then it got a little crazy, and now I'm downsizing my collection and. You know, all my Dragon Ball ones are out of the box and on display. So very, very cool to see that. You're not collecting anything in that space now anymore, though, right? No, no, okay. not um, not typically. But I have been uh, really interested in starting up a side business that basically just buys and resells uh, different anime characters. Nice. Because there's a massive market for it. But I need to do a little bit more research just because I've never operated in the, that space or really even in, in e-commerce. But it's something <laughs> I'm interested in. When I was when I was uh, a teenager, I worked in a comic book store. And I remember my boss said to me, he goes, where do you get all this cool anime stuff? And I told him, uh, Chinatown. <laughs> so <laughs> he took a train ride with me and I took him to like the place where I do my tape trading. When, you know, when Dragon Balls used to be on tape, you know, on, on oh, just wow, cassettes yeah. with, with, with bad dubbing or, or with poor subtitles and 
you know, places where I would go and buy, uh, you know, Gundam statues and things like that. So, and the, the old, uh, cloth Dragon Ball Z wall scrolls. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I remember he bought a bunch of them to resell them in the comic book store. He was like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to take a trip once a month down there. To, cause awesome. yeah, it was, it was crazy because the comic book store was in, in Flushing, you know, which is a predominantly Asian area. So the minute we started selling like Dragon Ball and, you know, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho and Fist of the North Star mm-hmm. stuff, the, like, it just became a different revenue stream. So if you're looking to get into that space, man, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun space to get into. And then now there's so many different companies putting stuff out that you, you there's, there's a niche there. So yeah, there is. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge anime fan. Like I, I'm the type of guy who like sits and cries at different shows and, um, it's, it's a big part of my life. So I, I'd love to do something in that world. Are you, what are you watching currently? Uh, I've got shows on rotation, boy. Um, so Log Horizon, I'm rewatching. Uh, the current Shonen stuff, so the My Hero Academia. Yep, I'm so watching that. Um, watching. Uh, I'm actually watching a wrestling show that's new this season on Crunchyroll. Um, a sumo wrestling, rather. Oh, right. So even more niche than than regular wrestling. But I found myself. Uh, I never thought I'd be into sports anime until I watched. Uh, this show called baby steps okay that was about tennis and it's just this this dude who gets into tennis and like he's very very like mathematic so he figures out how to use that as a strength and the standard like anime arc of hey he's getting better um but it really got me into it so after that i started watching haikyuu the volleyball show and um uh ace of i can't even remember the name but it's a baseball show ace of diamonds that's it um and and now I'm watching a sumo wrestling show, so I'm I'm just falling deeper and deeper into the hole. Very um, cool. I'm watching Attack on Titan, Shokugeki, uh, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I got it. Oh, I, you know what? Actually, is the most standout show to me. Uh oh. Of this this season. Uh, so so we, this is recording fall, uh, soon to be winter 2018. It's called That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. <laughs> <laughs> and I avoided this show because of the name. I avoided it for so long, and I finally ran out of stuff to watch. It's like, fine, let's see it. This is the greatest show of the season. Oh, man. Like, it's going to go down as one of the best anime of all time, no doubt, unless they screw it up. Oh, now I got to check that out. I just finished. It's a, so good. I finished One Punch Man, and oh, I just dude, became One obsessed with it. So I ended boss. up buying, like, the pops from One Punch Man, and, <laughs> you know, the, the, the intro music watched, is a uh, ringtone. No, I haven't. So it's the same creator, uh, Mob Psycho 100, and it's a similar concept. I'd right. recommend it. All right. So I'm going to check that out. All right. So um, that takes us out of the hot seat. The the last thing we like to do just to provide value, you know, we could, I like to call it reach one, teach one. Um, as someone who's run the gamut, you know, published published a book, put out music, uh, content creation, you're, you're an entrepreneur. Um with someone looking to to get to to just jump into it and and carve out their own niche with their own thing, what's what one piece of advice you could give? Um, spend a lot of time figuring out who you are. A lot of a lot of people are starting to to say this message, but it's something that the minute I finally decided to do it has really helped. So I'm a big fan of uh, Donald Glover, for example. And for those of you who don't know, he does everything or has done everything he's done a stand-up he's done music really successfully he is a director and show creator now he was a comedian for a, a while um and i'm 
incredibly impressed at his ability to do these things uh, at the same time and do them well. And that's always, I think, what has resonated with me is this understanding that if I was doing a single thing, I would lose my mind. Like I would just be bored to tears and not motivated to do anything. And and so, on, unfortunately, though, the the overarching message in society right now is that you need to become a specialist. You need to double down and pick your thing and get great at it. And that's how you increase your rates and yada, yada, yada. And so for a very long time, I tried to do that. I tried to become this, this specialist and basically cram the square peg into the round hole. Um, and at some point, I decided to start prioritizing getting to know myself and understanding what it was I needed, what I thrived on, what allowed me to perform well and, and what was going on in my life when I was doing the best. And that absolutely changed everything because the minute I stopped trying to be a specialist and just owned the fact that I am, in fact, a jack of all trades, master of none type, and that there are benefits to that and drawbacks to that. And if I understand those things, then I can build a life around it. Uh, things started to change. So that's my biggest advice is take the time getting to know yourself. Take the time to understand who you are and what you need. And once you figure those things out, like go do that and stop worrying about what society says you're supposed to do. Nice. I, you know, it's funny. I use the, the, the term autodidact, which is a self-taught person. Yeah. I even have that in my LinkedIn for that exact reason. Like that's in my LinkedIn. Like first thing, like, listen, I am this, mm -hmm. this is what I am. I know a bunch of stuff. Some of it's documented through schooling. Some of it isn't. So, you know, talk to me, find out who I am get to know who I am and I can provide you some value, you know, instead of just yeah. check off this box. Do you know this? What about this? It's like, you know, you, it, I, I like that message because you're telling people just don't, don't, don't put yourself in one box or one or check off one box, you know? Yeah. And by the way, like if that's how you work, then do it, put yourself into that box and, and check it off. Um, you don't need to be a generalist. You can be a specialist if that's how you are. Yep. But you need to know, is that how you are? Mm -hmm. And not just be doing it because somebody told you, well, you need to be a specialist or you need to be a generalist. There you go. And that's where I think the power is in understanding what are you actually? And then after that, turning off the outside influences and just doing that. There you go. All right. Now, last but not least, of course, uh, where can people find you, keep up with your work, consume your content? So the easiest thing, you're already listening to a podcast. So wherever you're consuming this, just search Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Uh, give that a listen. It's my show. There are 314 or 15 episodes mm -hmm. um, and uh, more coming. Like this, this show is going to go for a little while. Uh, beyond that, if you want a free chapter of the book or if you want to pick it up, if you want to pre-order it, you can go to tinyleapsbook.com, uh, tinyleapsbook.com, and you can just enter your email. I'll send you a free chapter, or there's a link there that'll take you to all the places that you can pre-order it. Uh, and if you are New York City-based and you want to attend the launch party, meet me, have a conversation, get the book signed, so on and so forth, um, location TBD, but you can learn more at tinyleapsbookparty.com. Nice. All right, my friend Greg, I appreciate you for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade. Dude, thank you so much for having me. This was uh, an absolute blast. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it, brother. All right, that wraps up our interview with Greg Clunis, host of the Tiny Leaps Big Changes podcast and author 
of Tiny Leap's Big Changes Everyday Strategies to Accomplish More, Crush Your Goals, and Create the Life You Want. Uh, that book is currently available on Amazon and at local bookstores. And, of course, links for the book, the podcast, and also for the mixtape that Greg made will be in the show notes for this episode. There's also going to be links for some of the items that we discussed and full transparency. Some of those might be affiliate links where we receive a small commission if you use that link to purchase the item that is being discussed. That commission goes towards improving, obviously, RageWorks, whether it's our audio, video, or our web presence. As always, if you use that link, we really, really appreciate it. Last but not least, if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me, rich at rageworks.net, or use the contact form on the site. If you want to engage with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, uh, with Facebook and Instagram being our primary platforms of choice. But as always, you can just visit rageworks.net and keep up to date with all of the stuff we talk about, whether it's toys or tech. We appreciate Greg taking the time to share the toys and tech of his trade. And as always, Toys and Tech of the Trade is your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Peace.